0: Welcome along, it's uh, Tim Wilshire here, I'm a networking number cruncher who podcasts people's perspectives. Uh, this is episode number 34 of From the Resort Podcast. Today I've got the another um, mayor candidate uh, that uh, I'm going to find out about his story today, um, the great John Mitchell. Uh, welcome along to the podcast, John.
1: Hey Tim, thanks a lot, it's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Thank you. Now, um, I guess where we would like to start these podcasts, John, is a bit of early life, so Whereabouts were you born and where did you grow up early in life?
1: Yeah. I was born in uh, Queenstown in the now iconic year of 1964.
0: Iconic, so why is 1964? Well, there's a magazine
1: 24. that talks about stuff happening here that's called itself 1964 because quite a few of the people involved in it. Also, it's a, it's a, it was, I don't know what that was about that year. There's quite a few people here mm-hmm. who, who are from that era, you know? Yeah, okay. So I was born here.
0: Um, so, what was it like when you? I guess, what was Queenstown like back in the '60s when you were very first born? different?
1: Yeah, very different. So, I was born in a maternity hospital, which is was where the Holiday Inn Express is now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, my parents, so had started a the first retail photography business in Queenstown in 1961 on Beach Street, where Helen Steins is now. Yep. Back then, it was a 1906. California bungalow and they converted the front rooms into their retail shop and, and darkroom. So we lived in the back. Our backyard is where Ferg Bakery is now. Yep. Uh, yeah, so the town has changed significantly oh, yeah, in that definitely. period. My family's been quite a part of that change. So they started that business. They then um, uh, built the, the first purpose-built shopping arcade on that site. So we moved out of there for a while. They moved there... Uh, the photo lab too, pretty near to here actually near the Mountain Club, and then we moved back into to the shop. Moved back in there. So the first work I had was in that shop, you know, helping um, putting photos into sleeves and uh, as it was a family thing, a family yeah. business. And uh, yeah, so that that arcade was built. Uh, they also started uh, what's now Madame Wu in the mall was yep. one of the first outside of a licensed hotel. Decent food restaurants in Queenstown in the early seventies, mm-hmm. when uh, the street was turned into the mall. So they were very involved in that process. They had a shop there as well uh, at the back of the arcade on Shotover Street. They started the Beef Eater Steakhouse, um, and so that, there was a lot going on here, and, and my family was involved in a lot of that. Yeah, uh, we then moved. also oh, started school here. Okay. On the Stanley Street site, which is now what is now the staging so there used area. Was a school on Stanley Street or Oh yeah, there yep, was yep. a primary. It was a. Initially, it was a, a, a district school that was both primary and high school. Yep. So it started there, then that separated with the primary school going to the site that it's on now over near. Yeah, and Scotland. obviously
0: very low population back in those days. Theory.
1: Too. so, Queenstown then was largely a wintertime. It was very quiet in the winter time because coronet peak at early on didn't have any cheerlifts right rope toes and access i can remember helping push the bus up on a school trip um to coronet peak skiing uh, because it was a gravel road and it got muddy in the winter time you know so that's changed a lot too so we've seen the ski industry come in so a winter side to the tourism economy but Queenstown then really was just a small village here. There was a smaller village at um, Frankton, uh, uh, near the airport, and Aratown as well, and then the, the two distant communities too, mm. Wanaka on the other side of the hill. So uh, it's changed significantly. Yeah, the population was a couple of thousand back then. Mm. Really. And... Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, so our infrastructure was very basic. Semi-treated sewage used to go straight into the lake. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's in many ways, the changes that we've experienced have brought positive things with them. Yeah, as long as well as the what we were starting to experience before COVID, the 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 sense that we had got to the point where mass over tourism was yeah. starting to kill the golden goose. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so we went to school there to start with them. My parents, in the early 70s, yep. had bought what had been the store at Glenorchy, at the Head of the Lake, which back then was a single-lane gravel road getting into mm-hmm, Glenorchy. Mm-hmm. And they reopened that as a the first cafe in Glenorchy in 1975. So we moved up there, and uh, so I did a year at the primary school there. Form two is, is so they did we, have a
0: primary school up at Glenorchy. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's booming.
1: There's mm-hmm. a big population, It's sent largely, well part of Glenorchy is now a suburb of Queenstown. Yeah. It a, it's an easy drive. Yeah. It was less so then. And then I spent uh, two years on correspondence for uh, fourth and, fifth, no, third and fourth forms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I enjoyed that learning environment because I could do it very efficiently, I could do a, you're supposed to shape it like a school week but I tended to do a subject a week so I could get my week's worth of work done by Tuesday afternoon and go Mm. fishing and hunting and Mm. and that sort of stuff as a kid. Um, Then came back here and did fifth form, Flatted here with my sister to do Mm. fifth form, still a bit of that goes on actually. Uh, And so she was working in the photoshop that my parents previously owned. Yep. And uh, that's my older sister. And then, and then my mother moved back here and then dad came back eventually they sold their business mm-hmm. and the house we built there uh, and yeah so so i was at uh, wakatipu high school for a couple of years on gorge road so at another location and yeah, that was great i just loved high school here um, lots of opportunities um, the school sports the options weren't that uh, broad
0: so what did you play
1: well i played rugby mm-hmm. i played that from a young age we skied you know it's a yep. school sport um also uh, played hockey and softball partly because i like the social side of that you know yep. it was the, the um mm-hmm. but that was co-ed so you go on mm-hmm. trips together it was great and it was it was really good fun so yeah we, for all of those sports traveled around northern southland and at least central otago so that was great and also there i started getting into um off cross-country running in, in quite long distances for, okay. for that age. Uh, and that's, so that's one thing I continue with. I still do...
0: You still do uh, marathons yeah, at the moment?
1: Yeah, still okay. do occasional mountain marathons. I prefer on off, on trails rather than mm. on tarmac. Yep. Um, don't do as many as I used to, but I've run the Mototapu twice here. I've run the Kepler Challenge, I've run the Rippling Classic, the Queenstown Marathon. And runs in other countries, too, when I've been working there. So that's, that's sort of the main thing. But the, so the, the place, s- after I left school, um, so the first job I had... Yes. Uh, although I'd had a few, quite a few jobs as a teenager at high school, mostly working in hotels. Um, and so got to understand tourism from that end of it. Uh, but the first job I had was in Whanganui when I left school. Um, and that was... Uh, doing uh, wild animal control, so carrying on for the work. I did but in a more organised sense. I did that for a year. Uh, And then that that industry was restructured. Uh, So then came back to Queenstown and and had a range of jobs. So worked at what was in wood products, and one of my specialities was um, uh, uh, wall claddings, internal and and external. So so did that for uh, about a year or so. And then worked at Skyline. For almost two years, and so what I was doing was,
0: um, yeah, I did have a look at your, um, uh, I guess your LinkedIn, there's yeah, quite, quite a lot there. There's yeah. a lot
1: because uh, back then, what's well, same now, actually, in fact, increasingly in Queenstown, to make a living, then you had to be pretty flexible,
0: yeah, you know,
1: a- and there was interesting stuff, you know, yeah. working at Skyline was great, it's four days on, four days off, and you could do, you know, recreate in between as a, a cowboy operator there. So I got to understand that industry, a- and there was, um, there was a significant incident that happened there where there was a rollback event. So that experience of working in a crisis situation... So what was a
0: rollback? What was that?
1: Uh, the, the uphill line, it was loaded with full cars. Yeah. The downhill line should have had them on it, but it yep. didn't, and so it went into reverse. Yeah. should have had a device... Enabled to stop that from occurring, a, yep. that that was not enabled at the time. Mm. So yeah, it became quite a mess. No one was killed. No one yep. was even seriously so injured. What year was this? Oh, well, it must have been uh, about 1986 or so. Something, yep. something, something okay. in the mid 80s. Yeah. Yep. And um, so so I was saving up to go to university. Yep. And and deciding what I wanted to do. So I went to Otago University and studied uh, mostly geography. Yep. a bit of political science, mm-hmm. um, social sciences, a little bit of economics. Um, did that for a couple of years, and then, uh, and then I got married to a, a Southland, uh, a young Southland woman uh, who was at university as well. And we, we then moved around New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So she was working in um, food technology. And so uh, I went to Canterbury University for a year, went back to Whanganui for a while, she was working there. Uh, and so I was in the Territorials as well and so got into uh, Defence Intelligence and that was really interesting and that led me into a Strategic Intelligence role with the Customs Department in Wellington and that was when my wife at the time and I separated. And um, so yeah it was a time of qu- quite a bit of change for mm-hmm. me in the, mm-hmm. the late 80s and, uh, and that's when I met my a young woman who's now my current wife. Okay and uh, so she's got a love of the outdoors as well mm-hmm. as she was an instructor on a rock climbing and um, snow and ice climbing course that i was a student on and uh, and so she's had a similar degrees with my previous wife actually in human nutrition so we got to know one another in the outdoors and, and lived together there for a while again customs department was restructured um, right, yep. So I'd been working in an office of 12 in the National Intelligence Office, it was downsized to 3. Um, so, and then and there were other things drawing us back to Queenstown, the family here needed mm. some support. So with my mother, my dad had died a little earlier. So, so we moved back to Queenstown and uh, so it was an interesting time. So I spent uh, a summer guiding on the Rootburn and Greenstone tracks. Uh, and then got a job uh, with, now NZ Ski, was in Malcook Ski Operations yep. as lift operations supervisor mm-hmm. at uh, Peak and Remarkables. And that was a really interesting experience, I just loved it, you know, getting paid to ski, It's just awesome. But also being paid to make change. So at that point, um, the ski company was moving from being largely a transport company to being a quality snow sport experience. Mm. And the really cool thing about the ski industry is that each summer, if you want to, as an organisation with the right leadership, you can reinvent the company for the next season. And that was Mm. really exciting, being involved with Duncan Smith, who was the lead on that um, here as a general manager, and a whole bunch of other you know, relatively young, mm. keen people who wanted to make a difference and, and make the best experience possible. So, I guess okay.
0: so. so. These sort of earlier um, parts of your career, did you sort of have an interest then in, in politics back then? As far as oh yeah, you so had, one yeah. yeah
1: yeah. So one of the reasons I went to to study geography uh, with a view to doing some planning studies was what was happening here in Queenstown. Even then, well, having lived through all of that, so mm. at that point, about the first twenty-five years. my life, there'd been a lot of change. And and some of it not well, or even at all planned. Uh, There was change of legislation from the Town and Country Planning Act to the Resource Management Act, which enabled more change to happen in some ways. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, so that was my interest. So I've always kept an eye on that. I've been pretty active in commenting on things. Um, Didn't have an opportunity due to other commitments. It's really hard, I think, and this is one of the problems we have, with local government particularly at the moment trying to get people to run for council in yep. particular because mm. it's really hard work you know and mm. you don't get paid for the hours that you do no and and particularly now it was easier then but with social media it is a not a safe place to be
0: no you know it's you've not got a got a, you have got a very thick skin you do
1: yeah but you can also make a lot of change you mm. know particularly if you've got a good team together yes and, and ideally a team of leaders and that's what we had at um NZSK the you know, Malcolm okay, Ski yep. Operations. So, yeah, that, that experience and organisational change and cultural change was pivotal for me, I think. Mm. Um, I spent a bit of time uh, working as a raft guide, trained as a raft guide, did a bit of that one summer. Uh, worked, uh, Guided on the Hollyford track mm. uh, and, and worked yeah, for a dock for a season too. And then, Mary. Um, a dock, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. Department of Conservation, yep, yep. sorry. Yes. yep. yep. Fund Conservation as a heart warden. And that, and that was great, you know I mean? Mm. Having an office like that at the head of the Dark Valley was yeah. pretty amazing. Having to walk to work took two days to walk to work. It was just brilliant. Uh, and getting to meet people and ensure that they had as, as safe an experience as possible without mm. that being, mm. without that getting in the way of them experiencing the wilderness. Mm-hmm. It was just wonderful. And so Mary came in and visited me a few times. Mm. While we were there, at the end of one of my stints, we came out and met some friends of hers, and we climbed Mount Earnsville together, you know, mm. on a beautiful day. Mm. stayed up there in the privy. Um, You know, that was special, something I've always mm. wanted to do. That's, so that's my mong and that's my mountain. Mm. Um, so then Mary had been a ski patroller uh, on the ski field. She wanted to become an emergency nurse. So that mm. got us back to Dunedin. And so I then uh, finished up the studies I had been doing and then did it. So we had a BA in geography and uh, did a postgrad diploma in geography and planning at Otago mm. with... Um, uh, Public administration really useful mm-hmm. for the role I'm looking to go into now, yeah, and um, and very useful for other things I've done in between. So uh, you are married to nursing there, and that's where our two kids were born in Dunedin, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, so we'd we'd had a house here, we sold it, moved down to Dunedin, and uh, had a almost off the grid, um, passively solar heated home. Which uh, was a really good project to work on. We do those sorts of things, and that's mm. sort of a sideline business that we yep. have running. And uh, and then uh, I the, my first involvement in local government was as policy officer at Central Otago District Council in ninety late ninety seven. Mm-hmm. I had been teaching fellow in geography at Otago University, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was doing policy work. Uh, risk management, economic development, and, uh, and and when required, a bit of emergency management. Mm. So we had wildfires and the, the th- third 100 year flood in six years, that sort of thing, so we yeah. dealt with that. And that was when, um, so one of the things we identified there in my risk management role was the change in the building code, because I'd had that building product experience years before. Mm. And so we identified the risk of the of the the monolithic cladding <laughs> yep. potential potentially being a da- disaster we could see it coming and we spoke to our building inspection team and, and again brought about a change in culture that meant that that local authority didn't have the exposure to the risk that others including Queensland Lakes had mm. to the wiki building problem decades mm. later yeah so that I'm pretty proud of that that we yeah. identified, you know identified that raised it with the team we were lucky there that we had an exceptional leader as um, the chief executive, Steve Green. So not only was he running a, a pretty tight ship of a district council, he was also with his wife, Barbara, starting Carrick Winery. Mm. So um, that was a really unique experience, working with a uh, a leader like that. Um, and, and a good, well, an interesting political environment too. Urban centres, rural, you know, it was mm. having to work within that different interests. And I really enjoyed that. Another thing I enjoyed about that was that... Um, There's a competition that happens every year in Australasia. It's called the Local Government Management Challenge. Local governments put a team of about five or six into it. One of them has to play the CEO. And then there's other functions that uh, management roles. So there's a competition in each state of Australasia. So New Zealand in the Australian Local Government Association is deemed a state (laughs) um, because their constitution allows for that. Um, But so we we play in that. we, did, we entered that one year as a team from Central Otago, learning experience. The next mm. year, Steve was our mentor, mm. and uh, we we won the New Zealand competition. Excellent. Yeah, and so we went to Canberra and got into the final, got to the Australian Local Government Conference, and that was a really interesting experience. Being able to see what other local authorities were doing, and not just in Australia and New Zealand, but from other countries too, yep. was really special. We need yeah. to make sure that we do that, and. And look to learn from what's good and what's bad mm. and, and distinguish the two so you know that there was a pivotal time in my career mm. uh, then in, in 1999 essentially uh, I think Bill English was the Minister of Health at the time dropped the some of the small hospitals from our district health our district health board system and so the Dunstan Hospital in Alexandra, a community trust took that over and one of the early decisions they made essentially was that the nurses got a 15% pay cut in their conditions so that meant that a whole lot of young nurses like Mary who were going to go overseas all decided to go at once so um so I yeah so having acted as CEO in that competition uh, Steve had me stay on for a bit to help cover because he was going on leave but he couldn't keep me because my wife was going Mm. so we took the kids to the UK and uh, so Mary, you know, as an emergency nurse, can pretty much walk off a plane in any English-speaking country and get yep. a job. Yep. So, and she organised a job there in the city that my dad came from,
0: in Manchester. So your, parent, your dad came from here? Yeah, so know?
1: dad rode a motorbike and sidecar with a friend from Manchester to India in the mid-50s, right. and ended up here. Yeah. And then he met my mum, who was here on a working holiday with the Tourist Hotel Corporation. She was from Wollongong, south of Sydney. Mm. And so they met one another. They fell mm. in love with the place. They mm. fell in love with mm. one another. And, yeah, and that was history, yeah, so... we going um, back to the UK. Yeah, so and, yeah. the UK, so I uh, looked after our son until he turned, or well, both the kids, until he turned four, because um, Mary was working weekends, getting good, good pay at the weekends. Yeah. And uh, so, and when he went to school, we'd been there about three months, a position came up to a, with a similar title to the job in Central Otago, but rather than have, it was at Rochdale Metropolitan Borough Council, north of Manchester. Rather than 76 staff, it had 10,000. Mm. So I was working in the policy unit there and doing very similar things. Mm. In, initially, a lot of community regeneration. Yep. So essentially disaster recovery mm. from a collapsed economy. Mm. That was really interesting. And then I went on, the chief executive there had a role as the, the, um, the chair of the Association of Greater Manchester Authorities. Mm. And I was... Um, Shoulder tap to do project management for joint service delivery projects across all of Manchester. Mm-hmm. You know, population bigger than New Zealand. Yeah, that, that was great. Really good experience. But there was a lot of things going on there. There was um, social unrest before and after
0: 9/11 Yeah. Okay.
1: There was um, oil refinery blockades when the uh, when the government put tax up on diesel for farmers, and and then there was um, foot and mouth disease outbreak. So I was involved in responses to all of those. So at that point, I decided that I might as well go with the flow with emergency management because I really enjoyed it, risk and emergency management. And Mary was keen to come back to New Zealand. So 2002, we came back to New Zealand. I'd started doing a course in emergency management extramurally through Massey University while we were in the UK. So I got a job as emergency management planner in In Christchurch for the Canterbury region. Uh, Again at a time of significant change so new legislation came in in 2002 moving from the old very reactive civil defence model to a much more risk management based and proactive model of emergency management so that was really interesting time so bringing about change Uh, I quickly got onto several national committees um, improving systems so the coordinated management system I spent seven years on the executive of that. Uh, and then uh, later on, 2000, about 2007, I became the regional manager, uh, the guy, the um, John Fisher, who'd been there before retired, so I took over that role. And we were, we were you know, pushing for change. In fact, it's quite interesting, sometimes pushing for change faster than many of the government agencies were keen for, but it needed to be done. Mm. Uh, and, and it was probably very useful because when 2010 came around and the the Canterbury earthquake, September 2010, their region was probably in the best position to deal with that than anywhere else in the country at the time. And um, because the Alpine Fault Mm. was what we'd been looking for, but it turned out to be something much closer, which is similar to the risk that Queenstown Lakes faces too. So, yeah, involved in that, uh, the response to it, then the recovery, some big lessons learned from that um, mm. about leadership, about leadership being, uh, in, in practice, we've been, you know, uh, in, in the real world, we've been training for that for years, applying theory to it, but it proved that uh, in a crisis situation like that, a collaborative form of leadership is what works. Yep. A top-down yeah. command and control form of leadership fails every time. So, uh, and we saw some of that going on in some organizations. And uh, so that was really interesting. That's when I first worked with Mike Thelen, who's now here as the CEO. So he had a um, recovery manager role with Christchurch City amongst his, uh, along with his other roles, in planning. So and then we were, so were in the process of reconstituting ourselves and getting ready for what might come next. And then February 2011 happened, and, and the real damage happened. And, you know, we had over 200 lives lost in that situation, many of which could have been avoided if we'd been able to influence decision makers more than was the case. And some of those politicians subsequently, including Jerry Brownley, have said yeah, one of his regrets is that he didn't listen to some of the things I said mm. at the time. You know, So a, a lot of my work in the past, and, and currently still, is talking to people mm. and getting them to make decisions about things that they don't really want to even think about, let alone talk about. Okay. So, So I did that until 2012. And, uh, and then we decided we'd been in Christchurch for 10 years, longest mm. I'd ever been in a job. We needed a change, so we brought our kids back here, home, and they finished high school here, which was great. So they've got roots mm. here, they've got them in Christchurch. And, um, yeah, so I came to a job uh, for what was supposed to be for a year, ended up being 18 months, doing emergency management with Queenstown Lakes District Council. Mm-hmm. And we brought in some, some, some change, mm. not as much as I would have liked, but it was only a half-time role, then. Yep. And so we built our forever home out at Arthur's Point. That lasted That's three and a half. Years. Senior. I'm pretty senior in
0: Arthur's Point somewhere. Yeah, yeah,
1: probably <laughs> that might be where senior. Um so uh, so that yeah, that role was only short term. So meanwhile I was establishing mm-hmm. a disaster risk and emergency management consultancy business yep. working remotely from Queenstown. Yep. And so that took me um, there was quite a bit of work in Wellington at the time mm. under the, the key English government. Quite a lot of work actually for that sort of consultancy, because they didn't have capacity in the, in the departments, and working in Australia and the Pacific Islands, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and further afield around the Pacific too. So, eventually, the draw of that was too much. It was would have been easier for us to live in Wellington. So we sold our home at Arthur's Point, yep, and we bought a little place in Wellington, and we've um, had another project there, um, where we would built a little townhouse in the backyard. So. And my wife's now in the process of selling that as we're making the transition back down here. So I've been living yep. here, you know, for a few months now. I tend to spend the summer down here anyway, working yep. right remotely. So most of my work these days is working with private sector, mm-hmm. government agencies, local government, NGOs in the leadership space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so much, although we have, we recruit some staff. You know, I worked, when I worked at Coronary Peak and Remarkables, in the three years I was there, I probably employed and managed 200 Staff, mm. uh, and in our various construction projects, we've employed a whole lot of people. Um, and my wife and I have run several, you know, very successful businesses together. And so that consultancy firm, as there was more work, well, less of that consultancy work with the new government, the Labor government, which recruits pe- tends to, has tended to recruit people into roles rather than bring consultants in. Um, then, and there was a call for me to work at Massey University, which I've been doing on a very part-time basis having also spent a year and a half running the Alpine Fault planning project so they've got me back down here as well Mm. Um, and throughout the South Island so nowadays that work with those agencies is running a leadership development program for disaster response and recovery Mm. leaders initially under a contract with Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet so I'm going back up there for a week shortly to run the next course along with some colleagues from Australia, um, Mm. predominantly, we've got some really, really interesting um, operators who have um, experience in research-based approach to what they do, bringing together with the expertise in New Zealand. That's really exciting, I Mm. find, you know, bringing people, disparate people together to deal with wicked problems, Mm. and we throw some really hard ones at them, and I really enjoy that, because they leave as friends and and build networks and able to achieve much better things than Mm. they would have done before. So doing a bit of that, um, and I'm also so I'm on I'm the co-chair of a consortium of private sector engineering and consultancy companies, universities, um, technology companies involved in the risk management space. So I'm on the co- co-chair of the that consortium. Um, I'm on shaping our future, which is a largely a community consultancy entity. Um, here in Queenstown, and which since I got on board with a few other new players on the board has, has now extended into doing work in Central Otago and across Southland. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I've got a range of experience both in, in senior management and in governance and mm-hmm. organisations, both private sector and public sector. Um, and my wife and I have got a project underway at the moment where, where we're planning for a off-the-grid Lodge that will be built just over the border in Southland Mm. um, down at Garston so Mm -hmm. that'll be probably finished next year, built in components and and modules and truck down. So that's going to be our contribution to regenerative tourism in the future Mm -hmm. and that'll probably be more of a summertime thing as well Um, but based here in Queenstown.
0: Mm. So yeah, so political, um, I guess your career in politics um, obviously, yeah, you, you mentioned there, and it's uh, you're obviously affiliated with Labor, the Labor government in a way. Well, but um, and obviously, uh, uh, it's new. The last election in 2020, did you run against yep. Joseph Mooney? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, so
1: yeah, so it was interesting times. Um, so I've been a member of both the National and the Labor Party. Okay. Yep. Uh, I think it's pace to shop around. Yeah. Uh, and I did find though that although you know I always find even with the current government, there's things that they do, you know, that I don't agree with. And uh, they're doing some good things. And and I've worked with governments of all flavours in a range of different countries, and I'm comfortable working with any of them. Because what we need to do is get the job done. Mm. So the work that I do for government now is is entirely apolitical. So it's for the Mm. Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. It Mm. has to be apolitical. And in fact, that's part of the training Mm. that we emphasise the need to do that. Um, Yeah, so I've got... um, yeah, I've worked with uh, cabinet members uh, and MPs and national governments um, and, and, and in Labor and, and a mix of, of those with the various coalitions we've had. Yeah, so uh, my I have no association with the Labor Party now. It was a really interesting experience, that election mm-hmm. though. Um, I enjoy the campaigning mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting. I think Joseph and I, our politics are closer than many people would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we enjoyed doing that together. Uh, you know, I was I stood for that because I think it's important that Queenstown Lakes, mm. in particular, is well represented in Parliament, and and Joe's doing a pretty good job, and we talk, you know, fairly regularly.
0: Okay, yeah. so that's good.
1: Oh, have got a good. Uh, I think we've got a decent relationship. Mm. There's things we don't agree on, but we 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 can talk about them. You know. Yeah. And, and it's, so and that's, I think we need really to good. do more of that.
0: Mm. As you said, collaboration. Yeah, it's
1: it's crucial, and and interestingly, having worked in that environment, because I have worked closely with um, a, f- a few of the current cabinet members, mm. and uh, quite a few of them went to Otago University, which helps too. But um, so so I do have those contacts. I also have contacts with senior. Um, Spokespeople in the National Party too, mm-hmm. so if there is a change of government in future, I've got those networks, mm-hmm. and so it's flexible, and I have no problem working with either. Yep, yep. Um, and I think it's important. It was interesting the result of that. So it was pretty close here in the Queenstown Lakes part of Southland electorate, yep. and uh, and and the things that that came up as issues then. Many of them are still issues I mean, now. It,
0: it was interesting. I mean, I only sort of moved when the election happened, and there was certainly a swing to Labor, and I guess in this electorate. Um, but obviously, a domination from a that national point of view at that time.
1: Yes. So, in um, this, particularly in the rural part of the mm, electorate. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and that's that's expected because that's you know how they think that their their um, interests are, are best represented. And and that's I think one of the things. I value about democracy, right? Mm. That we need to make sure that all of those um, interests in our communities are well represented, and that they have a voice. when we're talking about local government mm. around the council table, and that, and we need to have those discussions, and then come to a consensus that means we can move forward together mm. as a council mm. and as a community. Mm. And and that, I don't think that's been as as well done as it might have been in the last few terms. Mm. And I'd like to bring a, real, a team of leaders together in the new council. And, and we don't know who they're going to be. It's, you know, it's up to the democratic process who gets voted in. So it's about working with that as, if I'm fortunate enough to be elected as mayor, bringing those people together and reaching an understanding amongst that team to understand what they're representing and who they are so that we can better represent the interests of our communities.
0: Yeah, so how long ago, I guess, did you just make the decision to run run in the mayor race this year? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> early this year. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty early. Yeah, this year. so yeah.
1: I, I I announced it on my birthday on the twelfth of April actually. Um, yeah. But I would made the decision quite a bit earlier. But I yep. spoke with a lot of people first, and yep. there have been a lot of people asking me to now. Yeah. Um, because it was as you said, it was it looked like Jim was not going to stand again. So we, again, we need someone who can provide some real leadership. Yeah. The and it also and it's become clearer as time has gone by Mm. that Queenstown Lakes is a community and an economy that has gone through possibly the worst crisis in New Zealand because of the COVID Mm. crisis and the COVID response. And we're now aspects of recovery are happening, but that's that is um, impeded by the, the lack of the dependence on foreign workers that we've developed over the last few decades, and we don't have them anymore. So we're seeing some real innovation mm. and leadership in businesses in Queenstown Lakes, and mm. I think that's great.
0: Yes. It's yeah. really hard. And very difficult.
1: Very difficult. And many of them, are, you know, they've had to put a whole lot more capital in and go into debt to retain their businesses. The number of businesses that have failed in New Zealand is is on par with or less than a normal year so economically we've done really well Queenstown Lakes in particular Mm. before COVID we were the fastest growing local economy in the country Mm -hmm. and we are again now so what we don't need is a focus on economic development what we need is a focus on building resilience in our economy and our communities so that's a bit different from what some of the other candidates are saying so uh, and I have you know there's, there's real issues in the council itself so there's a crisis of uh, confidence, credibility and reputation with some of the things that have occurred in the Council um, over the last few years. And some of those decisions that Council's made, some of the decisions that management have made, and some of it's the culture of the organization it that's been there for a long time actually. Mm. Uh, So that's one crisis. There's a crisis uh, of the, so the COVID crisis and its recovery. And then there's a financial crisis that the council is, has found itself in. So, this is the most expensive time in history to be building infrastructure. Definitely. And we, the council was committed to a significant amount of that, partly funded by shovel ready funding from central government. We bought into, or we have an arrangement for um, the development of the Lakeview site. The council component of that is, mo- is more than double what was expected, so, we're not going to make money on that. For a long time, and perhaps the, the, there is a risk that we're not going to make a return on it at all. Mm. Meanwhile, uh, under the current council, there has been there was a move to get um, a visitor levy in place, and and the the budgeting depends on that. The legislation hasn't been established, let alone put into parliament yet. Yep. So, so that's a financial oh. risk in in our yeah. next ten years of work for council. There. Um, and there's also yeah. The already um, just under fifty million dollars of leaky building costs that mm. the council hadn't budgeted for, so there's a hole in our budget. Yeah. And next year, in June, there's a couple of body corporates who are going to be putting a claim in. At this point, estimated to be another hundred and sixty million. Mm. Now, what what will that end up costing the council? Is depends on probably negotiation, um, or there could be a court order if it goes to that extent. But it's probably going to be more than hundred and sixty million. Mm. So there's going to be some hard decisions that need to be made about what are the priorities. So, you know, that's the kind of environment that I've been working in for the last 20 years, Mm. dealing with crisis situations, uh, having to understand what the opportunities and risks are going forward. Because in the long term, irrespective of what that financial crisis is now, the future for Queenstown Lakes is really bright. We just need to get through that. Um, And and so we're going to have to reprioritise work. We need to focus on ensuring that communities get the services and infrastructure that they need, but I think we need to think about some of the big capital projects that are currently in the pipeline. And that raises real questions about the trajectory of growth that has been predicted for the district. You know, it's suggesting that the population is going to double in the next 20 to 30 years. Mm. I, rather than just saying, yes, that's going to happen, I would rather work with the government to ensure that with the new planning legislation that's coming in, that we're able to plan for and manage that growth at a rate that our environment and our communities and our, our economy can mm. can um, cope with. Mm. Not only should we do that, but we have to do that. We can't just let it happen mm. because it's, it's not in any of our interests. We don't want to find ourselves in a similar position as we were In march 2020 Mm. with whatever the next hazard is that comes along so you know that's the stuff i do and i think we could we can do that a lot better than would be the case otherwise if we just carry on with the status quo we're going to have to make some hard decisions
0: yeah so you've spoken about the, the you know some of the i guess tough things decisions and whatever decisions that the current council have made uh in relation to you know whether they were obviously it's 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 not an easy job obviously it's not and they
1: made those decisions uh, on the information they had at the time and it's yeah. a changing situation yeah um yeah so queenstown lakes i think the only constant thing here is the lakes the mountains and change yeah so but we need to get ahead of that change and we can uh, whereas i think the current council has focused on what's been right in front of them and not so much about where that's taking us
0: yeah yeah, yeah no, it makes makes perfect sense so Uh, I guess you you mentioned one of the people that uh, may be a mentor, Um, any other sort of mentors or heroes that sort of have shaped your career or or life?
1: Yep. So, although it's not political at all, really, although I did work with her when she was Prime Minister, and we, (laughs) again, we had some interesting conversations, but Helen Clark, you know, uh, brought about some real change. And the work that she and Michael Cullen did that enabled New Zealand to ride out the global financial crisis better than most by Mm -hmm. bringing us almost to zero, you know, government debt when by the time that came around mm. so she and I worked as she was she as Prime Minister and me as an emergency manager in Canterbury were participants in responses to a few big emergencies yep I had the opportunity about three weeks ago to ski into the opening of muster hut on this um, snow farm alongside Helen Clark uh, cross-country skiing a couple and we reminisced on those yes. times you know a- and uh, it was really interesting so she's one um, Dame Margaret Baisley who is, uh, she's now retired, uh, lifelong civil servant, she was a nurse I think to start with, so was involved in significant reform uh, of organisations, how they work, and in particular the Mm. cultural change within them. So these are people I've worked with directly, not Mm. people I've read about in books or Mm. seen in documentaries. So I worked with Steve, I worked with Helen Clark. Margaret Baisley was uh, the government-appointed chair of Environment Canterbury, the regional council, when I was working there as the manager. And we worked closely, and we worked very closely together during the earthquake response and recovery process, and and she was just great. And that was a really fraught context, and we needed one another as well as we needed others to get through that. So she's she's one. And there's another one that, um, through some of the work, the work I did, <laughs> In a, in a different life uh, uh, earlier on. And then more recently in the crisis and emergency response leadership is uh, General Stanley McChrystal, who was Special Forces Commander in, um, in the Middle East with the U.S. and Coalition forces. So I had the opportunity to spend some time with him mm. at the Navy Postgraduate School in California a few years ago. And we integrate his team-of-teams philosophy mm. Into the leadership training that we deliver, you mm-hmm. know. So there, there are a few I've had many I've worked with over the years, but there, there are a few that stand out.
0: Yeah. So it's, um, a couple of quick questions. Um, I guess leaving a legacy. Um, you, if you had to become the mayor, I guess what do you want to be remembered? What, what, what do you think people remember John Mitchell about as a, you know, as mayor of Queenstown? Yeah. What do you want to sort of you know? I know you. Ten years, fifteen years, time, or whatever you've done, um, and you and you retired, and you look back on it. What do you want people to remember?
1: I'd like people to be able to say that what we have here, then, and into the future, is a set of thriving and sustainable communities where people are able to live. People of all stratas from society are able to live and make a living, and and and. Enjoy this environment that we live in, and that that environment is protected. That we've got an economy that is far more balanced than it is now, yeah. um, and and that doesn't mean focusing on one winner, which at the moment is seen to be tech, high tech. That's key part of our economy in the future, but it needs to be broader than that too. Um, so we need to move away from our dependence on mass tourism, have people staying here longer, but making the district a place that. People want to come and live, more so than just visit. Uh, or if they want to visit for a few years, that would be great, um, and contribute. So that, mm. that means quite a change in a lot of what we're doing. Mm. Some of the, the more detailed things that we need to fix to mm. do that, mm. we need to sort out our transport system. Yep. And so the District Council is a partner in that. The Regional Council is, has the statutory lead for it. We can provide a lot more leadership locally than we have done. Um, this current council's done a lot actually a lot has been achieved in the last few years but we need to bring forward a lot of the planning rather than wait for the the population increase to arrive in a wave Mm. we need to have that in place and there are really smart approaches to do that Mm. that that we can make a real difference now Mm. at the same time we need to enable the transition away from people depending on cars but they will for a long time so we need to take that into account more as well, so we need cars need to be able to get around. They need to be able to park near the facilities and services that they need to get to. Meanwhile, we need to make public transport easy, efficient, and timely uh, and reliable. So, so those sorts of things too. But we need to, we also need to face up to the environmental challenges we've got. You know, mm-hmm. we've got, and if people think that climate change isn't real, they should come and work in my world for a while. No, definitely, uh, it's real. It is, isn't it? And um, so. Uh, the contribution that our economy locally makes to carbon um, for the country I think needs to be taken more into account uh, as well and particularly the carbon for people travelling here for for holidays. So how can we do that better? Technology is going to be a way to do that. That's already happening. We're getting more people in here with quieter aircraft that use less fuel and produce more CO2. Mm. So we need to encourage that. So we, we need to I think focus on enhancing an integrated transport system, which includes air, land, and water, more yeah. so than we currently do, in a really, in a more clean way, so that protects the environment that attracts people here. Because it's not, for most people, mm. the business opportunities that bring business people here, it's the environment, it's the mm. environment, it's the place, it's the people, it's the activities mm. that they can do. Living here is a great place to bring up kids. Yeah, uh, You know, and... Um, but it's really hard for people who are working um, in the lower um, paid roles, and there are a lot in this community, and it is much more diverse than it certainly was when I was young here. So we need to continue that diversification and ensure that our housing stock, is a, there is affordable housing within that. So the council today is considering um, inclusion rezoning to ensure that development in future provides for a proportion of housing that is perpetually affordable in a rental or um, uh, rent-to-buy kind of situation. Now, the policy that they're considering, I think, has got some issues with it. We probably need to do that differently. But there's some of the key issues that that we need to do. We need to sort out the affordable housing crisis. We need to sort out the congestion problem on our roads. uh, And we need to make sure that we protect our environment and have a more sustainable community and economy.
0: Excellent. So... uh Anything sort of final? I think we might wrap up the uh, podcast. It's been great to to get your perspective. It's been great to hear about your uh, your career, your life, and uh, all that sort of thing. So I guess uh, final words, anything else that you wanted to bring up?
1: Well, if this was going out in the next 24 hours uh, or less, actually, it would be be, great to have um, a few more people put their hands up to run for council here. We need really good round uh, yep. people around the table. You don't need to be a legend, as the advertising they're using locally is. You just need to care about your community yep. and be prepared to put some time in. What I intend to do is make sure that on council, there isn't the time that has been required of councillors because of the structure and processes that have been in place. We can develop a more modern and efficient form of governance for our communities and for our local authority. So if anyone has been wavering, my nomination's now in,
0: i welcome them to join me. Excellent. Thank you very much. It's been great. Uh, Pleasure to to get to know you on the podcast, John. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Tim. All the best uh, in your campaign. All the best. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. We should get a photo.